Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Anybody out there ever been rocked by God? Whew. I got rocked the whole way here by God. Just poo, 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 crying, crying. You know what I call it? I, I call it crying joy. See, there's nothing wrong with having tears. There's nothing wrong with crying and letting the emotions out if you do it with joy. See, that was joy that I had crying on the way here because my heart was crying out for people on the way here. Um, there's so many people that have a head knowledge, but they don't have a heart knowledge. And it's just, head knowledge is a very dangerous thing. Because if you think you know everything and you think you got it all figured out, that's a hard, stubborn mind to change. Um, we've been up here. God's given us this revelation for this class. Is we're trying to change your mindset. God is wanting to change your mindset. That's the whole purpose of this. It's the whole reason we're here. I come across so many Christians that have the mindset that they're always going to fail. See, because if you replace the word sin with fail, it don't really sound right, does it? Well, we're always going to fail, brother. We're always going to sin, brother. There's so many people I come across that have this mindset. And God is really using us to attack this thing because I had the same mindset. And for 10 years, I was, I was a sinning Christian. <laughs> carnal Christian, if there's such a thing. Uh, a carnal Christian living in the flesh. But as you read Romans 8, it tells you those who live in the flesh cannot please God. It's impossible to please God in our flesh. That's, that's something I think a lot of people don't get is the Spirit. Walk in life in the Spirit. The power of the Spirit. See, the power is not in the flesh. The power is in the Spirit. And that's how we walk in power and glory um, amen for Pentecost coming up. Lord, we pray for Israel. We stand with your beloved nation, God, and our heart is for whatever your heart's for, and they are your chosen race. So we love them. We pray for them. We pray that you're visiting them in their homes and that they are coming to know the real Jesus, you, Father, Yeshua, the Almighty One. So we want to go straight to Scripture. I got a Scripture, um, King James Version, Last week that I tried to pull up, I just, I wanted to hurry up and jump into power, but God said, hold on. He woke me up in the middle of the night and said, you got to discuss this, this thing in Philippians 3. Um, this, this is a stronghold for a lot of people. He said, and, I, I, and you know how I know it's God? Because I didn't want to discuss it. I said, Lord, they're tired of hearing about being perfect. They're tired of hearing. He said, do what I said. So I know that that's the Father talking. If you ever want to know if it's God talking, when yourself says, no, don't do it, it's probably your Father talking. That's a good way for you to know when it's Him talking because I really didn't want to go here right now because I wanted to jump straight into power. But I'm led by His Spirit, so I do as He says because my words mean nothing. His words mean power and everything. Um, so I want to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 in King James. I encourage you, if you have a King James Bible, please break it out on your phone. I know there's a King James in the drawer. 
break it out. We're going King James on this. And I see I always gauge off of King James. Then you can read other versions, but you you got to get a good idea of what the text is saying. Um, verse 16 in 2 Timothy 3. And hello, Global River people out there. I'm so encouraged by this church, and I'm so encouraged by the love of Christ in this church. It just really ignites me and just keeps my flame burning to see other Christians on the same mindset. So we're going to start in 16. Is this on the screen for the people too? Thank you. The, the guy, tech guys are so awesome back there. They do a fantastic job. So Timothy, is just, I was looking in Peter last week, Second Peter, but it was actually in Timothy. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Next verse. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. This is why we have a Bible, guys. That the man of God slash woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So that means we, we right here on earth have the ability to please our Father. And we have the ability to walk out what he's called. Our Father's perfect and we're called to be like him. Last week we looked at Jesus telling us in Matthew 5, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And you know, this is a mind, this is a stronghold for a lot of believers, that word perfect, because a lot of people do not want to hear that. And, and, and quite frankly, I get tired of hearing that because that's not the point. The point's not living to be perfect. The point is living to be like him. And a byproduct of being like him is perfect because he's amazing. He's almighty. So I'm going to take it where God wants to take it. And I know a lot of people just are tired of hearing it, but sometimes we have to keep on speaking it to get through our hard heads because it took a while for it to get through mine and, and help me understand what God wants of me. So we're going to go to um, second Philipp, uh, third Philipp, chapter 3, Philippians. And if you could pull up this verse, verse 12, that a lot of strong people hold, against the word perfect. We're going to go to just this one verse. It says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So when we get into the perfect debate, a lot of scholars and biblical people will go to this verse. Well, Paul wasn't perfect. He said it in Philippians 12. Um, this is really the only, this is a stronghold right here because I had the same mindset and the same stronghold in my belief system. So the Lord wants to unpack this, this Philippians, what Paul's talking about. So in, like I said, guys, ha, this is how you get religion. When you pull one verse out of Scripture and you stick on that one verse, then you have your own religion. Because I can read that one verse, and, and we can get 10 or 20 different meanings out of that one verse. And we can create our own theology and our own way of thinking because of that one verse. I don't do that. I read the books. I read 1 Philippians, 2 Philippians, 3 Philippians. I want to know the context. I want to know who Paul was writing to, why he was writing, and what his purpose for writing it was. See, this is going to make us better Christians, guys, if we don't just take one verse and stick with it, because this is how religions are made of the world. They take a verse that fits their mindset, and that's their religion. 
We cannot be that kind of people. We have to read the whole chapters. We have to dig in. We have to ask God. See, this gets you in fellowship with the Father because it makes me ask him, well, God, what did he mean by this? See, Holy Spirit woke me up in the middle of the night this week, took me to Philippians 3, and Holy Spirit was crying out on the behalf of Paul to correct this chapter. Now, who am I to correct anything? I am nobody, but Holy Spirit commanded me to go over this with you guys. So that's where I'm, I'm going to do this first because I'm faithful to what he tells me to do. See, if it was all about me, I want to talk about power and how to do this thing. I'd just jump right in and give you my point of view, but it's not about me. And God knows what you need to hear. So, Because if you know what I'm talking about, a lot of people use this verse. No, nobody's perfect, brother. Paul even said he was not perfect. So let's read, let's go to Philippians 3, verse 2. Let's start at the beginning of the chapter, and we're going to read this thing together as a group and, and see if we can get some clarity. Um, so he says, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. I mean, just that one verse is powerful right there, verse 3, Philippians 3. See, we, how do you worship God? You worship God in the spirit realm. We just said the power is in the spirit. We have no confidence in our flesh at all, zero. If I sat here today and told you that I'm going to be perfect and I'm going to do this thing, wrong. If you think you're going to be perfect and you're going to do this thing, wrong. You will get beat up, and your flesh will let you down. So Paul is making sure that we understand we worship God in the Spirit and have no confidence in our flesh, none at all. I have no confidence in my flesh and my ability to please God because I cannot do it. So we're going to read verse 4. It says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he have Whereas he must trust in the flesh, I more. See, you have to understand, Paul was the Jew of Jews. He was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He was the, the man in the faith of the law back then, in the Jewish law. Paul is telling, he said, if any of you have confidence in your flesh, I more. I can have more confidence in my flesh. So, we're going to go, well, it says that in verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day, stock of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. Verse 6, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So Paul is saying he was a pretty good person. He was a pretty good guy. He, he was blameless by the law. So he's telling you, I did all these things. I did all that by myself. Yeah, now we're going to go to verse 8. Yeah, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. So he's telling you all that stuff was nothing. It meant nothing. It was useless. He followed the law. He did the commands. He was a good guy. He was blameless. He'd done it all, but it meant nothing. So he has given all that away that he may find Christ, that he may have Christ. So verse 10, it says, that I may, 
you in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. So, so Paul counts everything useless that he did, that he may be found in God, that he may know him. See, this is all about knowing the Father. This is not about being religious, being a Christian, going to church. If you think that's what it's about, you, you need to change your mindset. We need to let Christ change that because that's not what God's after. God's after fellowship. He wants to hang out with you 24-7 all day, every day, all the time. Just get used to it. A lot of people, that just they can't wrap their minds around it. Lean not on your own understanding, but trust God in all your ways. Don't, just because you can't grasp the fact that the creator of the universe wants to spend all day, every day with you, don't mean it's not true, because he does. And this is something hard for us to grasp, because we get tired of our our siblings and our, and our kids, and well, I, just need, I need a break. God doesn't think that way. God never wants a break from you. He wants to hang out with us all day, every day. And this is what God's getting at with this point. Let's keep the scriptures up. We're going to verse 11. It says, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Verse 11. Now let's go to the verse 12 that everybody uses. Not as though I had already attained. So what's he talking about that he's attained? He's talking about the resurrection of the dead. It's not, not that I have already attained, okay, um, or were already perfect, okay? See, there's something about after you've been resurrected that you get perfected, the glorified body in Jesus, okay? So, let's keep reading verse 12. It says, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend. Now, we got to understand what the word apprehend means. So, I said, Lord, what is apprehend? I looked it up. What do cops do? They apprehend a suspect. That means taken into custody is what the word apprehend means, to be taken into custody, so he's saying, but I follow after that, I may take custody for which I also am in custody of Christ Jesus. Verse 13, brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, which means not to have been taken into custody, resurrected, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. So, he's, he's giving us a mindset right here, okay, guys? This is what you got to catch. This is what a lot of people miss. He's giving us a mindset. But this one thing that I do, forgetting the things that were behind and reaching forth unto the things that are before. How many of you in your Christian walk has done all these good things for people, fed the homeless, done all these things, and didn't get noticed for it? Didn't get no praise, no pat on the back, no nothing. And how did that make you feel? Well, you know, I did a lot for you, Lord. You know, I've, I've been there. I know how it feels. Man, they didn't, nobody recognized me. But as my brother Doug would always say, everything we do, we do unto God, not unto man. So what he's saying is no matter how good I've been, I've done all these great things, I count that nothing. I press forward. 
See, Paul done a lot of great things for the Lord, but he don't look back. He just presses forward because it's not about him. It's not about us. It's all about God. So verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. What mark is he talking about? I press toward the mark, perfection, the mark of God, the high prize, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. See the high calling we've been talking about? That God didn't come so that you could lower his standard. See, a lot of Christians think, well, God came. He knows. See, we got these, these Jesus goggles that we think God puts on. And God sees me clean through the blood, even though I'm not. I'm a mess and I'm a wreck, but thank God he sees me clean. So what we're really trying to tell God is that you're just trying to fool yourself, God. I, I'm a wretch, but thank God you see me clean. Does, does the God of the universe really have to fool himself? Come on, guys. That's something you would do. That's something I would do as a man, try to fool myself into thinking something. God's not trying to fool himself. When he says he sees you holy and blameless, that's because he expects you to be. This is the high calling, the mark that Paul is talking about. This is that mark. So now we're going to go to verse 15. King James is the only one that puts it this way. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal on this to, to you. He shall reveal it to you. So what is he talking about? Not that I'm perfect and I've obtained it. Let us therefore as many as be perfect, be thus minded. See, see we have to read the whole context before. The, the perfect he's talking about is his resurrected body. That's what he's talking about. But so many of us just thought it was about the walk in life. But that's not even what he was talking about. He wasn't even talking about his walk in life. He was talking about not that he's attained resurrection of the dead. Not that he's in custody with God already is what he's talking about. So I said, man, Lord, what does he mean by let us therefore as many as be perfect, be thus minded? See, the mind, it's all about our mindset. It's all about our minds. That's where the battlefield is. The battle is in our minds. The battle is not, you're not actually fighting devils and demons. It's in your mind. That's where it's at. That's where we fight. That's where our warfare is. So I said, Lord, well, why did all the other, I bet you if you have an ESV or if you have a different translation, this verse would say, let us therefore as many be perfect, I mean, as many be mature, or as many of us strive, or it'll change the word perfect in your translation. Because I looked at many translations, and King James was the only one that says, let us therefore as many as be perfect. Well, God revealed unto me, I said, well, Lord, why did they take the word perfect out here in verse 15? He said, because they didn't understand what he was talking about when they when they translated it. They didn't understand that he, in verse 12, he said, you know, not that I'm perfect. And then in verse 15, he says, as many as us be perfect, be thus minded. They didn't get it. So they just took the word perfect out in verse 15. That's what God showed me. They just didn't get it. So I said, well, Lord, how, what, how do I get it? How do I know what you're talking about? He says, son, go to Luke 13. Let's go to Luke chapter 13 and let's listen to Jesus I love Jesus. He's such an awesome character. <laughs> everybody, everybody paints this picture of Jesus that I just don't get in the scriptures. I, when I read the scriptures, I get a whole different Jesus than what people paint in church and, and you know, people's perception of who he was. Don't, 
listen to somebody else's perception of who Jesus is. Do the work, read your scriptures, and you find out who Jesus is. Don't let anybody tell you who he is. Don't let me tell you who he is. If I tell you something that you don't think is right, you got the same book that I got. We got the same manual. Dig into it. See, I love to compare scripture to Jesus' words because it's all about his words. He was the word. He was love. He was the word, and he was love. So if he is love, then he gets to define what love is. All this agape love, I mean, not agape, what do they call it? Kumbaya love out there. God loves us all. We should all just be love, brother, and love everybody. I don't get that from Jesus. I'm sorry, and I, and I encourage you to read as well. So we're going to go to Luke 13, verse 32. And these are the Pharisees coming at Jesus, you know, like people do. They'll come at you, yeah, da, da, da. What does he say? Go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. That's his glorious body is what he's talking. See, Jesus was perfect, so what does he mean he'll be perfected? He's talking about the glorious body that we receive after death. This is a whole different type of perfect that they're talking about here. And God revealed this to me, guys. I didn't just come up with this stuff. Holy Spirit revealed this to me. I said, man, okay. Hey, hey, Jesus himself said on the third day he shall be perfected. What is he talking about? The resurrection. What was Paul talking about? The resurrection. Not that I have attained the resurrection unto the dead. See, God just puts everything together. He's so awesome. So amazing. Um, so let's go back to Philippians I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, Philippians 3. Let's go back and finish the chapter out because God told me to finish it out. So, so we're going to go to uh, verse 16 of Philippians 3. We're going to finish what Paul says. Nevertheless, you're new King James. Can you pull up King James? Okay. Was it new King James the whole time I was doing or did you just pull that up? I'm just making sure because the wording is why I'm asking. Because I'm telling you guys, you got to do your research, and you have to compare Bibles, and you have to look up words, and you have to dig. I asked God, I said, God, how can so many people read your word and get all these different conclusions? He said, there is only one conclusion. It's me and my word and my truth. See, we always try to define God's truth by our perception. That doesn't make it right. Well, I think it means this, or I think it means that. Well, I'm here to tell you, I know the author personally, and he reveals to me what his word says. You should be the same way. You have the same ability I have. You have the same great father. He says, nevertheless, whereto we have already attained. Now he's back on earth. Now he's talking earthly things. Whereto what we have attained, because Paul's done some pretty amazing things. I mean, he was one of the great of the faith. Pretty amazing guy. Amazing, if you ask me. Um, he says, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. So what is he telling you? I'm walking the way God's called me to walk. I'm your example. Follow me because I follow him. See, Paul never tried to give you this idea that he was a struggling Christian. See, a lot of people perceive it like that, but the man was pretty faithful and steadfast, if you ask me. He was pretty hooked up with the Spirit of God, and he was pretty in tune with God. 
So he's telling you, follow me. See, he makes it a point. If you claim to know Jesus, look like him and walk like him so people can follow you, so they can have what you have to offer them, so you have something to offer. We can't walk like the world and think we have something to offer. It doesn't work like that. The world's going to look at us and say, you hypocrite, you fool. See, we have to walk in holiness. We have to walk in righteousness. It's our calling, the high calling, the mark. And he says, it says, verse verse 18, For many walk, for many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Does anybody have glory in their shame? I've I've seen so many Christians take glory in their shame. Paul is speaking to them kind of people right now. Oh, I'm just such a wreck, brother, but thank God he's so amazing. And, And, you know, he knows I'm this way. He just knows I'm a mess. You know how many of my brothers in Christ have told me that? Thank God he just knows I'm a mess, but he forgives me anyway. you got to get rid of that mindset. we got to listen to Paul. Be of the same mind. We must be of the same mind. God is perfect. We have to be like him. We have to understand that's our standard. See, ain't it funny how God is perfect and that's our standard, but we've always been told nobody's perfect. Don't ever think you are. Don't, or you claim to be Jesus. Ain't that funny how the devil's creeped into our mindset and and got us thinking, nobody's perfect, brother. Don't you ever think that. Because it's funny how Christians will be the first one to jump on you when you tell them you want to be perfect. The Christians will. They'll be the first ones to tell me, ho, 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 brother. Ho, who you think you are? Same way they done Christ. Ho, 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 Christ. Who do you think you are? He said, I'm God. He didn't just say he was God, but he pretty much said, I'm God. And I'm here to show you, boys. And I'm never going to sin. I'm never going to let the evil one get a hold of me. I'm always going to walk in righteousness no matter what circumstance I'm facing. And he displayed the works of God. The power of God was displayed in Christ. This power. There is power. So I asked God, okay, now now we're going to go to verse 21, the last verse of this chapter. He says, Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to even subdue all things to himself? So that just clarifies what he was talking about in verse 12. He shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned unto his glorious body. So he was talking about resurrection, body, perfection. And so many people, God, God just woke me up in the middle of the night and said, you have to clarify this. You have to. Holy Spirit said you have to because so many people cling to that one scripture and think, well, nobody's perfect, brother. Paul wasn't even perfect, brother. You got to change the way you think. And now what this is doing is encouraging you to get into your scriptures. Dive in. <laughs> That's the whole point. Dive in. Read. Read. Spend time. So I asked God, because I told y'all, I didn't want to talk about this again. I said, Lord, I've already talked about that. I don't want to keep talking about that. He said, son, my people have to know my standard. They have to know the calling. Because if they don't understand my standard, they keep making excuses as to why they don't meet it. Now all of a sudden, they're living like Adam. It was the woman you gave me. It was the wife you gave me. It was, my, it was the circumstance you dealt me. That's the reason why I could never be like you, God. But thank God you still love me anyway. Do you see the trap if you don't understand the standard? And 
once I understood God's standard in my life and I understood he does want me to be perfect as he tells us in Matthew 5 and he does want me to be like him, guess what? I said, oh my goodness, there is no way I can do that. There ain't no way I can be perfect because I am a wreck right now. Oh, my God, my wife's about to leave me. My, I've, done, I've destroyed everything I touched. I am a mess. There is no way. You know what I said at that point in my life? I said, God, if you want me to be perfect, you're going to have to do it. <laughs> this is what he got me to. What? I can feel his power right now. He wants to get you to that same point. Because if you understand his standard, then you understand your need for him. Then you, now all of a sudden you understand, whoa, even the goodest person who thinks, well, nobody's going to be perfect, but I'm a good person, you understand he wants you to be perfect. So if you're not, then you might need him. So even to these lukewarm Christians, he might be talking to you right now. Because, see, like my wife would do, she would compare sins. Well, I ain't near as bad as he is. He's done a lot worse than I have. All sin is the same. If you go out and tell a lie, you're no different than somebody getting high. What's the difference? You're a sinner. You're doing the very thing that God hates. So you have to see your need. And, boy, will perfection make you see your need. Huh? I have a lot of people can look onto their life and say, whoa. This thing is everything but perfect. As a lot of people point out, I, you know, I'm not perfect, brother. I'm not perfect because that's an escape goat. So why are you telling people you're not perfect when you're told to be? Why has your mind been programmed that the first thing you jump to is, well, nobody's perfect, brother? Look at the danger in this mindset. So you're trying to preach Christ to somebody, and you're telling them how they need Jesus, but they're sitting there smoking a cigarette, and you say, well, I'll smoke one with you too. You know, I'm going to smoke with you. And they say, well, look at you. Why are you smoking? I thought God didn't like the damage in your body. Some people say smoke is not a sin, but what does it do? It destroys your body and your temple, which sin is death. The wages of sin are death. So I would say smoking's a sin because it destroys your body. And you'll say, hey, brother, nobody's perfect. Hey, nobody's perfect. You sit there and smoke that cigarette when, but hey, but God, but you need this God that I have. Look at what it does to God. Look at how it misrepresents the Father and how the person smoking with you is like, this guy is a hypocrite. He is a fool. Telling me I need Jesus and I need to do all these things, but he's sitting there smoking with me like he's any better than me. Do you see the danger of that mindset? It is horrible. But yet that's the mindset of Christianity today. That is the mindset of, I ain't going to give a percentage because I don't know a percentage, but I know it's a lot because the path to destruction is very wide. And the path to heaven is very narrow. So, and here's another reason I got this. I said, okay, God, so everybody says we're always going to sin and I'm always going to fail you is what they're telling me. But you live in me now and you're telling me I'm not. So what's up with that? And he said, the path to destruction is wide. So I'm looking at all these people thinking they're always going to do wrong in God's eyes and they're always going to sin and poor me, but thank you that you forgive me. And I'm like, wow, well, who thinks that they're not going to sin? There's not many. <laughs> that path is very narrow. But it ain't the people's fault. It's the way we perceive the gospel. It's how we perceive it. And I'm going to tell you another thing God showed me. 
If you're living in the flesh and you're not totally sold out and you're not in the spirit, your flesh is going to cling to whatever it can to keep living that way. It's going to cling to that verse 12. Paul wasn't perfect. It's going to cling to that. If you say you have no sin, you're deceived. It's going to cling to Romans 7. It's going to cling to them. Three, that's the only three things that people got as an excuse to why, you're, why we're always going to sin and struggle. The only three. Everything else is perfect perfection. Be holy as he is holy. The whole Bible. But them three key elements that our flesh clings to. See, once I got out of the flesh and I started looking to his righteousness, I quit clinging to that because I wasn't in the flesh no more. Then God started to reveal to me that that's not even what they were talking about. They were talking, they were talking about the unbeliever walking in the flesh is what they're talking about. This battle is flesh and spirit, guys. Flesh and spirit. See, there's, there's not a such thing as a carnal Christian, is it? I mean, there is, but it's really not in God's eyes. Either you have the spirit or you don't. It, so how did God say, the truth worshipers worship me in spirit and truth? See, the truth is Jesus was holy. He never once sinned, and he tells us to be like him. He says, a servant is not above his master, but shall be perfect as his master Luke, I think I sent you that scripture, Pastor, uh, Luke 14, I think it was. It says, a servant is not above his master, but he shall be perfect as his master. See, we had, where, did this, where did we get told down the line that this mindset got destroyed? Paul keeps speaking of this mindset, the high calling. This is what saved my life, guys. I'm telling you, it's what transformed me. So I started thinking outside the box. I started thinking, whoa. So you want me to be this certain way. I, there's no way I can do it. And God said, you're right. There's exactly no way you can do it. That's why you must give everything to me. Surrender to me and I'll do it for you. See, we lost God's power in the garden. See, we, we were with God. We were perfect. We were made like him in the garden. And what did the devil do? See, just because you're perfect doesn't mean you're not going to hear the devil. I hear him all the time. He constantly in my mind trying to get me to fail. Constantly, guys. You see, that's another thing I want to tell you that God wants to reveal to you. Just because you have a bad thought does not make you a sinner. Did you hear me? Just because you have a bad thought does not make you a sinner. It's when you agree in your heart with that bad thought. That's when the sin gives birth to sin. When you capture that thought and say, yeah, that would be a good idea. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to. See, Jesus said if any man looks at a woman with lustful intent, intent means motive. It means captivation. I'm going to figure out a way to make this happen for me. It gives birth to the sin. But the devil's tricked us into thinking we're all sinners because of our thought life. Because <laughs> if I'm a sinner because of my thought life, my goodness, I've already failed. Because guess what thoughts are, guys? They're bait. And guess what the enemy's doing? He's fishing, and he's throwing some bait in your minds. See, the, mind, the war is in the mind. Why do you think Paul was saying, your mind, be like-minded, have the mind of Christ? You've been given the mind of Christ. So the battle's up here, so you'll have a bad thought. And I know so many good people that'll say, man, I had to repent for that. I had a brother ask me the other day, we were downtown preaching the gospel, and he said, well, when you have a bad thought, do you repent for it? I said, no, sir, I do not. <gasps> I said, because it wasn't mine. <laughs> what I do is take it captive, and I present it to my father, and he deals with it. That's the gospel, guys. 
But the devil's duped us into thinking just because we had a bad thought, now we've already committed sin because of that thought. So, and I'm, I asked God, I said, well, how does this work? He said, well, when you're around somebody and you're constantly hearing the word GD and they're cursing, does that make you a sinner, son? Because you're hearing GD come in your head? I said, well, no. He said, okay, then Satan has access up here to our minds. He can speak into our minds. That's why he uses us and our voice to speak to us. That's why we're trying to identify this enemy within. So just because you have a thought, see, it's your heart. That's, that, that, that's what God's after. See, the Scripture tells us to take every thought captive and present it unto God. To pull down strongholds. To pull down mighty strongholds. See, I know y'all have all had a thought, well, I'm always going to sin. That's a thought that always comes across people's minds. I'm always going to. Nobody's perfect, brother. That's another thought. Nobody. Take every thought captive, present it unto God. Let him tell you what you should think. See, we're supposed to have the mind of Christ. See, I had a horrible dream last night that I'd done some very ungodly things in my dream. Now, did I wake up? Oh, Lord, pray for me. Did I call Pastor? But I need prayer. Mr. Blake, I need prayer. You got to pray for me. I just dreamed I'd done some horrible things, and God would not approve. No. You know what I woke up and did? I woke up and surrendered to my God. And I said, Lord, I don't know where that stuff come from, but I, I want to give it to you, and you can have it and do what you got to do, God, because I, I do not agree with that kind of person I was. Matter of fact, Satan always tries to get me back with my thoughts, and I just blow them up right in his face. Every time he goes, I said, Lord, I don't know where this comes from, Father God, but I'm glad I had it because it reminds me of the wretch I was. It reminds me of the pit I was in, and that's no longer me because I've been given the power of righteousness, and I get to walk in your glory and fellowship with you and hang out with you all day, and I'm not going to let any thought take that from me. Amen. Not going to happen. Our thought life is powerful. The mind is powerful. It's so powerful, guys. If you think you're always going to fail, you probably will. That's your mindset. And you know what's so amazing? God never once comes at me and like, you got to be perfect, son. It's not even about that. You know what perfect is about? It's about spending time with God all day, every day. Because what this reveals to you is that without him, you will fail and you cannot meet his standard. So obviously, if I can't meet it without you, then I got to hang out with you all day long. It pushes you into constant fellowship with the Father. Because any time I wake up and my mind ain't on him, I am prone to go right back to that pit. See, it says the dog returns back to his vomit. And without my mind being focused on the king, I will wake up and I will walk right back in the cage. See, just God, Jesus said, I have come to set the captives free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. But what does the devil do? Are you really? Are you really set free? Did he really do what he said he was going to do? Did he really? See, it's no different, God. It's the same trick. When he ate the tree, did God really say don't eat of that tree? He says, you won't die. God, you are not going to die. You know what died that day? The Spirit of God died. That's what died was the Spirit, the power to be like him because we disobeyed. And guess what, y'all? It only takes one mistake to change the course of history. One mistake to change the course of your life. One mistake. That's why, I'm so, that's why I think Jesus told these people, now go and sin no more. He didn't just tell the lady that. He told the blind man that too, if you read in the scriptures. He said, now you go sin no more so nothing worse happened to you. 
if you'll read into the scriptures and dig in, because here's the deal. I said, wow, Lord, one mistake's all it takes. He said, yeah, ask Moses. Yeah, one mistake. He said, ask Adam. Yeah, you wouldn't be in this mess if it wasn't for the one mistake that he made. He said, that's why it's so crucial that you stay hooked up with me and don't make any mistakes. Because, see, we've been programmed to think we're always going to make mistakes. Ain't that odd? Well, we're all we're mistake makers. God just came down because he knows we're going to blow it. Yeah, he knew, he knew we were going to blow it until he gave us the power back. See, once we get the power back, you don't have an excuse. But yet, have you ever found yourself making excuses? Sure you have. Be honest with yourself. Don't lie. Yeah, but you just don't know how hard it is out here, brother. If anybody could have made an excuse, it would have been Jesus. And Jesus never made an excuse. He never made an excuse. See, if Jesus thought like a man, he was never going to make it to the cross. He would have never made it there if he thought like we thought. But he understood it's not about him. Not my will, but thy will be done. See, that's the amazing thing about being sold out to the kingdom. Not my will. See, it sets you free from you. That's amazing. I have been set free from me. It sets you free from you. It sets you free from you. You are your enemy. And the devil has no power if you're not in your body. If the Holy Spirit's in there, he is powerless. Do you understand? I'm not saying that he can't put you through a storm, but it doesn't matter when he puts you through that storm because God's going to display his power in the middle of that storm. Ask Job. So I, I, I asked God, I said, Lord, I wanna, we're going to preach about your power. And he said, son, everybody knows I'm powerful. They don't deny my power. If you're listening, you know God's powerful. We sit in a globe in the middle of an atmosphere that just chilling in the middle of nowhere. I think he's pretty powerful. Um, he told me, he said, nobody denies my power, son. He said, the problem is they just don't know how to get it. They just don't know how to get it. That's the problem. I said, wow. See, until you see his standard for you and you realize you're not there, you need him. That's what he was trying to tell all these people that follow the law. You can follow the law. You can be the best Pharisee of the world. You can be the best Jew. But if you don't have me, you are lost and you are heading to destruction. Nobody can, see, nobody can walk perfect without me. It's not possible. I told God, I said, Lord, there ain't no way I can quit all this stuff. Ain't no way. He said, that's right, I can. Now give, give me back you, and I'll give you righteousness. See, it's the free gift. See, it's a free gift, but yet it costs everything. Huh? What did what, you say? It's a free gift, but yet it will cost you everything. You have to deny yourself and renounce everything you think you are. Because you, you know what, what we're really doing, it's an act of sacrifice. Here's what we're really doing. God showed me. We, we're, we got the fruit from the tree that we were not supposed to eat. We've been given the fruit by our generations. We've been born with it, handed down. Here you go. Here, eat from this tree. In pain, you shall eat of the tree all the days of your life. So if you're in pain, you're eating from the wrong tree. If you don't have joy, you're eating from the wrong tree. Look at the fruits of the Spirit. If you don't have the fruits, if you're not operating in the fruits, you're eating from the tree of pain. You're eating from the tree that thanks your God. And you are not God. We are made to be like our Father, but we are not like the Almighty. There is no one or no thing that can compare to Him. So what it is, it's an act of sacrifice. It's saying, you know what? Every morning, I wake up. Every morning, don't miss the daily part. Every morning, I wake up and I say, Lord, 
I'm going to put that fruit right back on that tree right there, and I'm not going to eat from that tree. I'm going to come over here to the tree of life, and I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to give you me, God, and I'm going to let you have your way, Father God. I'm going to display your glory in my life because it's not about me. It's all about you. And he, that's when the power of God will come inside, and the power will fill you up. Now, uh, my, um, my wife's going to give us a testimony here in a minute of how she surrendered to get the power. Um, we're going to go to Scripture and let Jesus tell us for a minute before I get her up here. We're going to go to Luke chapter 14. <clears throat> and we can, we can go ESV on this one because they didn't really change nothing. ESV is easier to read. But I encourage you to keep your King James, like Pastor Tom says, and to compare and to, to, to go back and forth. If you get a meaning of something, you think you got it figured out, study it. Go to the Greek, go to the interlinear, go to all the stuff and, and make sure and hang out with God and make sure when you think you learned something because he might reveal to you that it's not what you thought it was. Um, so we're in uh, Luke 14. I'm going to give you the... Verse. I got it all highlighted, so it's got to be here. Well, it's not highlighted. So Luke 14. Um, hold on one second. I'm not getting intimidated by the stage no more. I'm going to find this verse. I'm going to find... See, there's power in our tongue. Oh, here it goes. It's called the cost of discipleship. The cost of discipleship. Verse 26, we're going to start with. Verse 26. Pastor's already on. He knows these verses. Amen. What a great pastor we have. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for Global River, Lord. I thank you for the people that's tuning in because y'all are powerful. I'm not up here to condemn you and to tell you I'm better than you. I'm up here to encourage you into more good works. I'm up here to fan the flame, to stir the flame. There's a lot of us in Global River that understand the gospel and get it. And we're talking to people who may be tuning in that's never heard the gospel. So he, Jesus tells us, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple Keep reading. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? So he's telling you it's going to cost you everything to follow him, and it's all about following him. If you don't follow him, you don't receive the power. See, a lot of people think that they can come up to the altar and get power and get changed and hey, hallelujah, but they don't renounce all that they are. And deep down, they're only deceiving themselves. You're only fooling you. What good will it do for you to fool you? It does you no good. See, because a lot of us, there's a lot of mothers out there that'll tell you, I, hey, if anybody messes with my kids or if anybody, I, I'm going to lose it. My own mother told me, I don't know what I'd do if something happened to you. I said, well, you better go to God is what you better do because I'm not God. I'm not your God. I, I might be a blessing to you like you're a blessing to me, but my goodness, we are not God. We don't choose each other 
over the one, the Father. And, and I asked God, I said, well, God, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty rude. That's pretty down to the point. That's pretty, a lot of people would say, that ain't love. You must hate your father and hate your mother. That ain't, that ain't love. What kind of love do you believe in? I believe in love. The name Jesus is love. He was walking with love. He was the word. So that's the kind of love, the standard I believe is love. And what he's really trying to tell us, and I asked God, I said, wow, that's pretty deep. Because there's a lot of good Christians out there and a lot of good people out there that are, that are following the Lord, and they say they have Holy Spirit, and they, they believe. But when it really comes down to it, and if something come after your loved one, you would lose it, and you'd be a wreck, and your whole life would be destroyed. And God has to take that idol out of your heart, because if that idol's in your heart and that child is your everything, then that's a problem. Because how can the created worship the created? It's, it just, it, it, it's insane. It don't make sense. See, we're the created, so we worship the creator. So if we lose something that was created, we don't lose who we are. That doesn't change who God calls you to be. And I'm going to give you a great example of this, uh, Abraham. He said, Abraham, I want to trust you, but i got to know that Isaac is not an idol in your heart. You know what I want you to do? I want you to go take him up there, and I want you to sacrifice him. Now, some people would say there again, that's not love. Why would you tell the man to kill his own son? That's just insane. That is not love. There's a lot of, uh, what do you call them? What's that love kumbayas out there? That ain't love. God showed him to kill his son. God is love. He defines what love is, and love has to be stern sometimes because sometimes we just don't get it. Just like a child, I'm not going to let my child go out there and play in the road because I love him and I don't want to upset him. If I do that, what's the consequence? Death. So I'm going to, regardless whether he kicks, screams, and spits on me and hates my guts, I don't care because I love him. That's love. That's real love. So what did he do? He said, Isaac, go up there and do it. And, and Abraham said, whoa, okay. I don't know if he told his wife or not. I'm thinking maybe he didn't tell her. Maybe God told him this without because the woman would have said, that's my baby. You ain't doing that. Right? How many mothers out there? How many mothers out there? She didn't go. But the point was, God had to make sure that Isaac was not an idol in Abraham's heart. Because he was going to use him to change generations. He was going to use this man to change the course of the world. To give us an inheritance. To make us part of the family. And one problem could not be allowed. One idol could not be allowed. See, I see this in my own life. The devil throws idols at me. He'll throw cars. He'll throw work. He'll throw um, hobbies. My goodness, he constantly throwing idols at us, constantly trying to get us to live for those things, live for these things. So I'm in constant repentance with the Father. God, these things do not bring peace, joy. These things bring death at the end of the day. So there's a lot of great people out there that really haven't got past the idol part in their life. They really, they say, you say you do. I know, I hear you. I hear you. You say, I believe in God. I go to church. But is God after church? Did he tell Abraham, hey, look, Abraham, I'll cut you a deal. You go Wednesday nights and Sunday nights and you keep Isaac. Or did he say, I need a test. You go up there and do as I tell you to do. Because what God is saying is, 
He's, he's really waking us up. He's, using, he's really just opening our eyes because there are a lot of good Christians out there that still will hold on to family and hold on to things. And, 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 and what happens is, see, so ask Job. He had to do the same thing to Job. What did he do? He said, Satan, have you considered Job? Job's an upright, perfect man. Have you considered him? A lot of people would say again, that's not love. He was, he was God's number one man, and, and he done let, huh? Yeah, that's another one. There's, they're everywhere in the Bible. Think about Job. What did he lose? His family, his houses, his cattle. He lost it all. And why did he have to lose it all? To show the devil that he was 100% sold out to God. That, okay, you know, I love my wife and I love my kids, but my God, if, you know, if, if something happens and Satan takes them, it's not the end of me. Because you're God, you made them, and I follow you. Yes, I love them, but they're not my God. They don't tell me if I have joy or not. You do. Do you see what he was displaying? He's displaying dying to yourself, dying to everything you think you are and everything you want. You've got to let it go. What's that song, let go and let God, that everybody says the phrase? Let go and let God. You have to let go of these things. Because there's so many people right now that's bitter from what's happened to their family, and there's bitterness in there, and the devil's using that as a claw to hold you back and to keep you from the power that God wants to display in you. There's people that's been hurt. The enemy has hurt you, and he's done things to you, and he's took things from you. And you know what he's saying to God? He's saying, God, you said you think they love you, but you let me take their child. You let me take their child, and I'll, I'll show you that they don't love you. I'll show you that they're all about themselves, just like me. The devil's the accuser, guys. That's how he's constantly accusing us to God. They don't care about you. You let me do this to them, and they'll turn on you in a hot minute. So God allows things to happen. You know why? You were to count that as, as honor, because God trusts in you that much that he allows something that severe to happen because he knows he can display his power in you. Huh? That should encourage you. It should encourage you. To know that my God trusted me that much that even though the enemy stole from me, I know that God will replace tenfold what he stole. And, and, and another word for you uh, guys, that people that's lost loved ones, they're not gone. God's in control. What did he say to Cain? See, a lot of people think, well, why would God let somebody kill? What's the first thing Cain did? It was murdered Abel. God loved Abel. He accepted his sacrifice. Do you think that was not loving to let him get murdered? See, we can't comprehend God. What did God say, Cain? I hear your brother's voice, uh, voice crying out to me. His blood is crying out to me. So just because the enemy comes to steal something does not mean it's over for them. Our God is mighty in power, and he holds life. So them loved ones that's been taken, I promise you, they're in a special place kept for God who's going to pour judgment out on the enemy who done it at the end of the day. So don't lose heart. Don't lose, don't, don't let your circumstance determine who you are. Let God determine who you are. See, my God tells me who I am. My work doesn't tell me who I am. My bank account doesn't tell me. My wife doesn't tell me. My family doesn't tell me. My circumstances doesn't tell me who I am. God does. Does he tell you today? Because no matter, like Paul said, I've found the, the way to be content in all situations, whether hungry, whether fed, whether poor, whether rich, whether slave, whether free, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. <laughs>
Oh, resonate, Father God. So this is what we have to understand. That's why he says no man builds a building without first calculating the cost. So there's a lot of people claiming they have Holy Spirit and that they're saved that you might want to sit down and do business with God about that. And you might want to ask God, because if you're not walking in power, see, here's what people don't get. When you don't have sin in your life, you are on fire. It's a fire. See, God said the eye is the lamp of the body, okay? It says, he who has a single eye will be full of light. The whole body shall be full of light. What's that single eye? It's Jesus. It's on him. Your focus is on him. There's nothing else. I don't care what's going on around me. My focus is him. Facebook don't tell me who I am. Then people don't tell me who I am. The guy who cut me off and showed me I'm number one don't tell me who I am. Jesus tells me who I am. And then he says, if your eye is off and there's darkness in the body, how great is the darkness? So the people that's beat up and discouraged, there's sin in your life. See, see, I look at walking with God as a fire. If you walk with God, work. This is the series. Get the fire. Keep the fire. God's trying to teach you how to keep this fire. Because I see so many people catch it and then lose it. They catch it and then they lose it. They're on fire because they're doing good, and then the moment they go back to their sin, their pit, their ways, they cool right off. Who's ever seen that when you're in sin, you don't want to be around God's people? Me and my wife, when we were living in sin, we didn't want to go to life group. She would say, it's raining outside. I'm not driving to life group. We could get killed. (laughs) Any excuse and every excuse not to be around God's people. Do you know why? Because your shame kicks in. Because what happened when they ate the tree? Shame and guilt and condemnation. So when you're eating from the wrong tree, if you feel shame to be around people, maybe you need to ask God, where's the power? I need your power. I'm sick of living for me. I'm sick of trying to do you and be you and play your role. I can't do it. That load we, that we've been to showing, are you still carrying the load? Come up here. I've seen a lot of people... Uh, Come to church on Sunday. They'll, what they do is they back the trailer up out front. They'll unhook the trailer. They'll come into church. Hallelujah. I've been set free. Hallelujah. And then when they leave, they'll beep, beep, back right up to the trailer, hook it up, and pull the load out. I used to do it. I've seen so many Christians do that. You got to get every day. It's a daily thing. Every day you have to unhook the, that tree. You have to unhook the load. So I'm going to give my wife some time. i got a big mouth, and I just love to talk, man. And So I'm going to let her talk about her walk and surrender for the ladies out there who might think that I'm harsh or however I sound. I just repeat Jesus. So take it up with the king. And she is going to just tell you how she received this power. See, I couldn't get it for her. I received it. I couldn't make her receive it. She had to do it. It's personal. So if you want to tell them how you received power. This is funny because I'm, I'm totally lost. Like this. This was not planned. It's nothing planned. <laughs> so it's I'm, ju- I'm just going to go with it. Like, I don't have anything up here with me. I'm just going to go with Jesus, whatever the Lord Jesus, yes, you do have heart. something in you. I, you know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Okay. Um, so first I want to bring up today, the Lord has really stirred my spirit. Like, my spirit has been crying out for people today. I have been so just connected with the Lord because I actually had somebody share with me today. We got to talk about the Holy Spirit and we got to talk about our walks in God. And um, she actually revealed to me that her daughter tried to commit suicide and it broke my heart. You guys, like 
I started crying. Like I just, I could not hold it in. I started crying and I just felt God's spirit. And for somebody to not know their worth, I was there before. There's been so many times when I was a teenager that I had thought about committing suicide and the Lord wouldn't let me. He would not let me do it. So I know the minds that those people are in. I had that mind. I've been through that. I struggled with that. And I'm able to be so joyful now. And I love the father and I love to stay connected with him. And none of that stuff bothers me anymore as far as like myself. But when I heard that today, y'all, I was just so upset. I started praying just all day long after she told me that I could not stop praying about that. Just, I was asking God, I said, Lord, can you please teach me and speak to me when there's somebody in the room that I'm in, if they have that thought, can I be the one that goes over to them and gives them a word of encouragement, tells them who they are, gives them a scripture, just stirs them up so that they're no longer who they think they are and they're who you know that they are. I was praying that all day long and then I had a girl beside me in a car and she looked a wreck. She just looked a wreck and I started crying out again. Um, and I was like, Lord, I see it everywhere. And with this pandemic going on, I'm in stores all the time and I see craziness and madness and it, it breaks my heart. I asked the Lord to give me his heart so that I can see what he sees in people. And you guys, it breaks my heart. So I want to get closer to him so that I can be in these situations and show Jesus and show what he's done in my life and show that I am changed and show that who I used to be is no longer who I am anymore. I am no longer the person that thinks I'm not worth it. He is my father. He is my dad. I didn't have a real, a real dad in my life. And guess what? I had a void for a long time. And the Lord filled it. The Lord filled every void that I had. Anytime I have something come in my life, I go to God because I can't do it myself. I really can't. I will be an anxious, nervous, Martha, like, Martha. yes, like he would come to me and, and he would say, oh, Jesus, Martha, oh, Martha, 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 and your that sister's used, chosen the good portion. He, he's, he's, he's very different, you guys. He's very Jesus. hardcore, <laughs> but I needed that. I was very stubborn. So the Lord put us, put us together for a reason. Um, but anyways, I, I have to stay hooked up to God in order to do anything. Today is a day that I could have been so stressed out, so stressed out. Nothing went as it was planned. I was running behind all day long. But I, I, like I said, I stayed praying to God. And I'm so happy that I got to hear what she had to tell me today. Like, because I got to share Jesus and I'll be with her tomorrow. So I'll get to share again. But it. I, I just want to encourage you guys to please, if you know Jesus, you are lucky. There's so many people that don't know Jesus. You are so blessed to even know who Jesus is. So I pray right now that God would just become more in all of our lives, that we would just be single-eyed Christians, that we would be the light for him, that we would be the vessels to go out, and that we would go out and we would share Jesus with broken people because not everybody know him, knows him. Not everybody has him. Um, and, and that's what I, I just wanted to share that because it, it's just been stirring up in me, you guys. Like today is such what's going on right now. You guys, we have to be strong in our faith. We have to know who God is. We have to have him through everything, whether 
we're not making any money right now, whether there's barely any food on the table, just know the Lord will provide. I promise you, it may feel like you're in the pit, but you're not. God is there, and he may be using what you're going through right now to reveal him to you. I know for me, I was in a pit. I could no longer do anything myself. I was that stubborn that it took me all the way down in this pit to realize that I needed the Lord. I needed him. I needed to know who he was. I could not go any longer without him. So whatever you're going through right now, pray to God. Get out your Bibles. Spend time with him. Instead of sitting there worrying about something, give it to him. Whatever you're worrying about, pray that prayer to God and he will give you peace. He will, he will calm that storm. I do it every day. I would be an anxious, anxious person if I didn't. I used to be really, really anxious, you guys. Um, but give it to God. Give all of that to God. If you want to call somebody because something's going on, instead of calling that person, go pray. Go get on your knees and pray. I did it, you guys. When I surrendered, he's very hardcore. He's not a person that likes to talk about emotions and whatever, all that stuff. So he would point me to God. I needed this in my life because I was so stubborn and I've been through a lot, but it's, it's not about me. It's about Jesus and who he's made me be now. And I want to share him. I want to, I want to show him. So he pointed me to Jesus. And I, I, like I said, I didn't have anybody to really talk to about it. So I was forced to talk to God about my problems and my situations. I was pretty much forced. Amen. So I'm telling you guys, if you do have somebody to talk to about it, go to Jesus instead. Go to Jesus. Go to him instead. Mm. You may not be forced to go to him, but I'm asking you right now, See, please force yourself. We're so quick to call our friends, call our call people that can relate to us so they can so they can cope with how we feel. Or ask for prayer. Yeah, or will you pray for me? See, Jesus never handles it like that. He just puts us in our place and tells us, it's not about you. Quit weeping. I'm still on the throne, and you live for me now. So it's pretty simple with him. So we encourage you, go to Christ. <laughs> go to Christ. Don't go to your friend. Don't try to look for a girlfriend or, or a friend to, to help you get out the situation. Go to him because that's everything. That's how we change. Absolutely. He's, he's everything. I'm telling you, nobody can fill you up like he does. Nobody can build you up like he does. When I went to God, I remember the night that I surrendered, that night, me and him had got into another argument. He had been saved for maybe a good eight months, and we had got into another argument. And I mind you guys, I was, I was tough as well. I was not easy to get along with. I saw such a change in his life, and I wanted that in my life, so I was a little jealous of it because... I would say, I was not near as bad as you. I didn't do that stuff. I am a very good person. And that was, that was my excuse. I would say, why do you have this and I don't? Like, I, was, I would say I was better than you. Like, back then, whenever, before he was saved, that was my mindset. In human terms, you that, were. That was my mindset. But you guys don't even realize the enemy that was inside of me was myself. It was myself. I would still come at him with attitude. I would still come at him with judgment and jealousy. And, and myself would, like, 
try to hinder his walk because I didn't understand. I didn't understand his relationship with God because I didn't have it. So the night that I got saved, I remember just feeling this horrible feeling. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. And it was eight days before our anniversary. I don't remember what year it was. A few years ago. (laughs) But it was eight days before our anniversary. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I don't think I can stay with him. I don't think I can do this. So that night, I, he slept on the couch and I slept in the bed and I had woke up, it was three in the morning and I had been weeping all night long. When I woke up, my face was just drenched. The pillow that I was sleeping on was literally a puddle. It was that bad. And I remember he would tell me, if you wake up in the middle of the night, and I want y'all to remember this, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're tossing and you're turning and you just can't go back to sleep, the Lord wants to spend time with you. He, he wants to spend time with you. So I remember him telling me that, and I was, I was very stubborn, you guys, and my heart, was, my heart was so hard. Like, I had such a hard heart. But I said, okay, Lord, I get it. I, I can't go back to sleep. I have to go to work tomorrow. Let me just go ahead and get this prayer over with because I, I got to get up early. So I start praying, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm just praying. Literally, you guys, I prayed from 3 to 6.30. I could not go back to sleep. <laughs> He had me repenting and my heart was just crying out to him because once I started that prayer, it felt so good. And I wanted to release everything that had ever happened, everything that I was holding on to, every sin that I had ever committed. I gave it all to God that night. I prayed all night long. And when I woke up, I was, I was completely different. He came in the bedroom while I was getting ready for work and he came and he laid in the bed because he had slept on, he'd slept on the couch. Usually... When I would see him the next morning after an argument, you guys, a fire would light up in me and I would get right back into the attitude that I had the night before. And I had so much peace. I'm over there getting ready, humming to Jesus Christian songs. And I was so different. And I was kind of like shocked. I was like, what is happening? This, I see him and I'm not mad. Like I'm not even thinking about it. So I was completely different. And that whole day, I just, I was just thanking the Lord because I had surrendered, you guys. When you surrender to him and you give him everything, that's why pastor does deliverances. When you go into that prayer room and all of this junk comes out and you get rid of it, it's no longer there. You're not holding on to it. You are a different person because your, your spirit is loose. You have invited, I surrendered. So I invited God to live in me. I said, get rid of me. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for this. I repented for everything because I had seen him do it the night that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So I, I'd seen it done. So I knew what I needed to do. And when I did it, I was a completely different person next time. So I'm yeah. just encouraging you guys If you need somebody to talk to, or if you're having something go on in your life, pray. Yeah. Yeah. Or do a deliverance. But I'm telling you, you can do the same thing in your prayer closet on your knees. See, your first thought should be, I need to go to God about this, not I need to call my pastor, and I need need him to pray for me. We got to get out of that mindset of thinking. We have to go to God. Let Jesus handle our problems. Pastor ain't God. He can't handle so many problems. Okay, so, and I'm telling y'all, and here's another deal. Pastor can't die for you. He can't change you. He can't make you surrender every single day. Only you can. So you got to man up and you got to do it. Make every effort and do it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, time. It, yeah, we're, 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 we're going to wrap off? it up. Um, but we'll, we'll get into more next week, I guess. 
because we didn't get it, get into Whenever, all of it. But so Holy much Spirit, we haven't even talked about. Holy Spirit, <laughs> we're letting him take control. So whatever happens, I know it's for whoever's so watching that needs it. I do want to say, uh, Matthew 6, Jesus told us, he said, but when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You will be rewarded for surrendering to the King. See, it, it, what, go to, you will be rewarded? The verse, Matthew 6, verse, Matthew 6, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is how I got it, guys. I didn't get Holy Spirit at church or, or at a service or at a conference. I got Holy Spirit on my bathroom floor, 3 o'clock in the morning, surrendering, crying out, giving him everything I am. And I'll tell you one thing about that surrender. I tried to hold on to one thing, one thing about me I tried to hold on to, and God, I heard God clearer than I've ever heard. No deal. No deal. I said, what? God, I've given you 99.9%. I just got at least hold on to this one thing. He said, if you don't give me everything, I don't give you me. It's an exchange. It's a transaction. See, we've all had an encounter with God. I ain't denying every one of us listening in this room has had an encounter with the Almighty God. But have you had a transaction with God? Have you made the transaction? Have you given him everything you are and put it all on the table? See, I seen a poker table, and I had all my chips, and I pushed 99% of the chips in, and I kept one on the corner. And like, like, he, like he don't know that you're keeping one. You're trying to make a deal with the, with the father, and you're trying to keep a chip. And he says, all or nothing, light or dark, yes or no, right or wrong. There is no fence. There is no in-between. Either you burn or either you're cold. You're, you're hot or you're not. It's that simple. What does he do to the lukewarm, the ones who keep a couple chips? He spits them out of his mouth, vomits them out of his mouth. It's a dangerous place to be. He'd rather you just be real and be all in on your side, on your team. Just be all in on you. You be God. He, he respects that because you're being real. When you try to play God, you try to, you try to manipulate like the devil, and you try to, well, you know, I'm all yours, but I still got a couple chips of my own. That, you're in a dangerous spot right there. It's very dangerous. I was there. Yes. So we want to invite you guys. We've cleared it with Pastor Tom. Next week, y'all can come. We'll we're be gonna, practicing we're, social we'll distancing. We'll practice the guidelines so we can sit every other chair. Families can sit together. If you're sick, stay at home and we'll pray for you. <laughs> if you're feeling amazing and you're feeling good, come. We welcome you. We invite you. This is an invite only. If you're, if you're afraid of anything, then you don't have to come. We are inviting the ones who are ready to come out, who are ready to worship. And what we're going to do, we're going to do a Q&A. So if you've been listening Come, because we're going to pass the microphone around, and we're going to get people's input on what we've been teaching, and we want to hear your questions. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to get feedback on what's going on, and we want to do it collectively as a unit, everybody together, and everybody just enjoying the Spirit of God. So please come out next Wednesday if you're able to and worship with us. Um, will you pray us out here? We're going to pray before we end this thing. Pray us out. My brother Doug reminded me of that. See, it's always good to be held accountable. My brother called and said, you should pray out. I said, yes, sir, you're right. So Father God, I just thank you for the grace on the time, God. We thank you for that, Lord. But I pray that everyone 
that you are touching right now, Lord, that you would just seal fire. the deal, God. You would Sin you would fire. put fire in them, God, that you would just change them, Lord. Change the way that they think. Change the way that they pray, Lord. Give them wisdom. Give them knowledge. Give them revelation, Lord. Give them revelation, Lord. Teach them how to be closer to you, Lord, because everybody may not know how, God. They yes. may not know how, God. I pray that they would see your spirit and that they would ask for your spirit and that they would be hungry for your spirit, God. I ask that they would just cry out to you, Lord, that you would put them in situations where they are forced to come to you. Mm. That is what I needed. I pray, God, that they are forced to come to you, God. And if they're not, I pray that they just come to you, Lord, faithfully and humbly and that they trust and that they believe and that they love, Lord. You love us and you want everything to work out for our good. But we, you have to get our attention. You have to get our attention, Lord. Things happen in our life and you are always there, God. You are always there. I pray that we see your beautiful hand over everything happening in our life, God. You are still here. You are still changing things for your good, Lord. Everything that's happening is happening, but you have your hand over it, God. You are pushing it somewhere, God. But I pray that we would all just draw closer to you, that we would be hungry every single day and that we would spend time with you every single day and become a more better version of you, Lord, every single day and that we could be lights to this world, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.